0: Hey guys, we're back with another episode. Today we have Rachel Kennerly. She is the host of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. And uh, I'll let her introduce herself and tell us about what she does.
1: Hey Tori, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. I have, as you mentioned, I have a podcast called Cannabis Heals Me. And basically what I do on the show is I let people come on and share their medical cannabis stories just because the government propaganda is such that a lot of people, including myself a few years ago, don't know that there are medicinal benefits to this plant. So I want to share, want to let people share their story and get the word out because prohibition needs to end. And I find that the best way to kind of get my foot in the door with someone who believes strongly in prohibition is to share a medical cannabis story. And then they they realize, oh, there's, some sort of benefit to it it's not just about getting high, and then I can talk to him about other things, talk to him about liberty and that the government has no right to tell us what we can and can't put in our body, but I can't even get to that point without kind of cracking the the hard exterior and and stories are a good way to do that
0: i yeah uh, i that's sort of my uh perspective on how to work. Get in touch with people and get people to realize you know what's going on in things because I think just coming at it, stating the liberty perspective comes off as harsh sometimes to certain yeah. people, yeah, and I think you know trying to connect with people first is a good way of sort of finding out why what they do what they don't like or what they do like but you know what what they disagree with the government on and then sort of uh, you know, telling them why these things are the way they are and then going into other things, you know, whether it's guns or uh, taxes or any, you know, pretty much everything. I mean, the yeah. government's in all our in every aspect of our life.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I try to remember, because I, I come from, my background is, from the right and Republican and conservative Christian, which I'm still a conservative Christian in my values, but my belief that the state should enforce my values has changed. So I try to remember where I came from and what arguments would have been effective talking to me and getting me to change my mind when it came to be, you know, move into a more liberty-based mindset. So I try to keep that in mind when I talk to people, especially, I live in East Texas so, most of the people that I run into here are conservatives in nature. And so I I try to remember what appealed to me and how I can kind of shape that message and, and get to them without completely turning them off immediately.
0: Yeah. So, um, what I guess got you interested in medical cannabis and telling, getting people to, I guess, share their stories and try and, You know, educate people.
1: Well, uh, I guess a few things. I, like I said, I've, I've come from the right and I believe that prohibition was the way to go and that we should put people in cages for consuming a plant of their own volition. Until I heard the story of a lady who lived here in town, her son, well, she worked at my hair salon and I went in one day to get my hair colored and she wasn't there and she was a single mom. I knew, kind of, I didn't, she didn't, she's not the one that did my hair, but I knew her and kind of knew her story. She's a single mom to two kids and she worked all the time. And so I went in and I'm like, where's Brittany? And they, and they said, well, she moved to Colorado. I'm like, what? She moved to Colorado. Does she know somebody up there? And they said, no, but her son needed access to cannabis for his seizure disorder. And so she ended up moving to Colorado. And then they shared the story of, of how cannabis was beneficial in his life. And that was the first thing that kind of spoke to me and got me to thinking, Oh, this could actually be medicine. And, and kind of said, okay, you know, maybe people don't belong in a cage or, you know, people that need it for medical. So I was able to concede right. the medical side that people that needed it for medical shouldn't, shouldn't be put in a cage over it. And they shouldn't have to move to Colorado away from everyone they know and and love in order to get access to a plant for a sick child. And so that kind of was kind of my first little introduction to cannabis as medicine. And then three years ago, I I started a a movement to a more liberty-based mindset. I was very disillusioned with the two choices. What, What I saw as the two choices for president in Trump and Clinton. And so I started looking out there thinking, you know, of all the people on the planet, surely there's two better people that could be running to be quote leader of this country. And so I I looked to the libertarian party and, and I wasn't very impressed with the nominee in 2016. And I, I didn't, I didn't vote for him because I, he just seemed like such a buffoon and he may be a nice guy, but when he's on TV, sticking his tongue out and just he didn't go out and, and speak about the principles of liberty. He just
2: right.
1: went out and it just seemed like a real dummy. And I didn't, that didn't appeal to me, but I ended up starting listening to some podcasts and then, um, yeah, I was a never Trumper and then started listening to like Ben Shapiro. And then I'd also at that time started listening to like Tom Woods and Jason Stapleton and lines of Liberty and started kind of getting a more, you know, kind of moving towards personal liberty and personal responsibility and realized um, that it was wrong to use the state to enforce something that maybe I'm against morally or feel that it could be morally wrong from my Christian background. And then I had an opportunity to start actually working in the field with, I'm a certified public accountant by trade and I actually started my own practice in serving the cannabis community because there's very specific laws related to cannabis yeah. as far as tax goes. And so that that was kind of what and then I, you know, I just thought, well, I don't know much about cannabis because I've always it's illegal in in Texas where I live. And so I wanted to to educate myself on cannabis and then also educate other people because it's like once the once the scales fall off your eyes. You can't hardly be quiet and just continue to go on like everything's normal, like it used to be. So I wanted to learn more about cannabis myself and then also get the stories out to people that yeah, there really are medicinal benefits to this plant. And so it's kind of kind of that journey and then just, you know, being tired of sitting on the sidelines and saying and doing nothing when when people are getting life sentences over a plant and i felt that it was important for me to try to educate myself and then also the community around me because i do live in a conservative area of the country that that still believes the government propaganda and i wanted to kind of fight against that with my my little tiny voice out here
0: yeah well i mean my story is kind of similar just sort of like the opposite mm-hmm. cuz in new york everyone's a democrat so yeah. But I'm sort of the same way, like, I didn't like either Trump or Clinton. And I had never even voted before Mm because, you know, like, when I was, you know, in my, I guess I was first able to vote in 2004. Mm -hmm. And I was in college, so I was like, well, I'm not going to bother voting. And, I don't know, I guess just the combination of not really caring about politics and just the fact that I do live in uh, New Jersey and uh, there's no real point of voting up here. It's always going to be the Democrat. And the yeah. So I just never ended up voting and then, but you know, Bernie Sanders' message kind of appealed to me just because looking back on it, I think it was just because he was sort of talking about some of the issues that I felt, even though I didn't agree with how he was going about solving it i just i guess liked the fact that he was the only one bringing it up and but at the same time i was also listening to jason stapleton and tom woods Mm -hmm. and you know that sort of took me out of the i was like and then the fact that Bernie Sanders just kept saying the same exact thing, regardless of, you know, what he was being asked, and that he just flipped to being a Hillary supporter yeah. after everything. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm, I guess, sort of in the same situation as you are, where i mean like who uh, i mean i'm hoping that there is someone on the libertarian ticket Mm -hmm. this time that you know is worth voting for but like i said it really doesn't matter at this point
1: right well i think the i think the important thing for the party is to get somebody because the I mean, the Libertarian Party has no chance of winning on a national level. But I think it is important for them to get somebody out there that will promote the ideals of what the party is supposed to stand for because I think those ideals will appeal to a lot of people. And if if you don't put a candidate out there that's able to voice that, because if, if Gary Johnson had been saying things like what Larry Sharp was saying, I would have voted libertarian in the 2016 election, but there was no substance behind, or I didn't see it. Maybe that's because the media intentionally portrayed him that way. I didn't see that there was any substance or that there was any principle behind anything that he was saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think from the sense I get from people like uh, Dave Smith and those guys, You know, Gary Johnson, uh, he's sort of like the Nick Sarwark type of libertarian who, you know, they sort of like the, uh, the surface level of libertarianism, the freedom, but they don't really understand like that the freedom means at every level, not just, you know, like, when I live, like, did you see, did you listen to um, the debate between Dave Smith and Nick Sarwar? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, that's sort of, like, the... Because, you know, like, basically what Dave's saying is the libertarian candidate has to live up to the principles of libertarianism. Mm -hmm. You can't say, you know, we're going to support a candidate who believes in aggression when they may be good on one topic. Yeah. You know, they have to, there there is i do believe there is room for nuance in the libertarian Mm -hmm. candidates or just in people within the movement in general but i do believe that there has to be the core principles of you know don't aggress on people unless Mm -hmm. they aggress upon you and I just don't get the sense of like, and I think what really put Gary Johnson in a bad situation was Bill Weld. I think that sort of sunk him. Yeah. Because, yeah.
1: Weld wasn't a determining factor for me because I wasn't really involved in I knew nothing about the libertarian party other than they were the third biggest political party. So for me, it didn't, it didn't affect my opinion. The fact that he went on TV and seemed like a, a dummy who was always stoned is what, what pushed me away from it. But as far as, you know, anybody running with him now, if now knowing what I know now about Bill Weld, I would certainly not vote for him if he was the millstone hanging around Gary Johnson's neck. But at the time johnson's Johnson didn't seem to have a coherent message that would appeal to people looking for an alternative from Trump or Hillary
0: right, and I think it was sort of i I think it was a missed opportunity of like I think Dave even said it in the debate is that you know it was a perfect opportunity with for the Libertarian Party to put up a Ron Paul type candidate Mm
1: -hmm. yeah,
0: and they just missed out. Now, I think 2020 is probably going to be the same situation because I don't think the Democrats have learned from 2016. No, I think that's safe to say. And I don't think they're going to – I mean, what I always – you know, everyone wants to talk about how the Democrats got rid of the superdelegates, but they only got rid of the superdelegates for the first round of voting. So basically, as long as we have – as long as the Democrats have three or more candidates, it's going to the second round of vote, which means that super delegates come in and then they pick either uh I mean I still think Kamala Harris, as long as she stays in, she's their pick.
1: Mm. She's <laughs> terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well and I mean, I think they're just sort of pushing her, and I think you know Tulsi Gabbard destroyed her in the debates, and that's mm-hmm. why she's plummeted, but as long as she sticks around, you know if they if they're able to manipulate the vote, they will, yeah and it's just a shame.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tulsi has her problems, obviously. It's just nice to see someone who's willing to go out there and speak about U S foreign policy and how terrible it is. And to put people like Kamala and call her out on her hypocrisy and the horrible things that she did while she was over in California. So it, it's nice to see Tulsi collar on that. And then, you know, the, the, they robbed her out of this last debate, I think, you know, because they're they're trying to do to her like they did to Bernie Sanders, where they use smoke and mirrors and, right. and try to find ways to to keep her off the debate stage because she does well, but she's not the anointed one.
0: Yeah, and I mean we'll see because she did qualify for the next debate, mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting, but. Then they have twelve candidates on one night. Right. You know, is it gonna so, be three
1: hours again? Ugh, that's brutal. Yeah,
0: it's probably gonna be three hours and everyone's gonna get even less time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like just just make it two nights, even though you might annoy people, like you'll get better substance out of having six people on each stage instead of twelve. Yeah. You know, well, I don't
1: think they want substance though. They want people to be able to get up there and repeat their talking points that they've all been issued. Because
2: well, when that, you hear these
1: guys speak, they all say the same exact thing. They, it, that, so they've got their marching orders as to what they're going to say on any particular topic and they don't stray off those topics.
0: Right. Uh, that's exactly it. And uh, I mean, you even notice how there's really never any pushback in the debates no one ever asks
1: how are you gonna pay for that
0: (laughs) right and probably you know even when they do push back a little it's probably run by the candidates beforehand
2: Mm -hmm.
0: where they say like well we're gonna ask you this after and it's just ridiculous yeah but uh Let's let's get back to marijuana. All right. <laughs> so um, you know, one of the things that I uh, sort of don't—I mean, I I understand it, but I get really annoyed by
2: it—is
0: mm-hmm. sports, especially mm-hmm. in uh, uh, the NFL. Yeah which, you know, with all this proven benefits to medical marijuana and cannabis regarding concussion syndrome,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the NFL could do so much in the way of sort of forcing the federal government's hand. hmm in uh, making it legal because you know they're a 10 billion dollar industry right whatever they are if they just put their foot down and said you know we're not gonna test for this anymore we're not gonna punish people for this anymore Mm -hmm. you know it's the end
1: yeah, I think it all goes back to the almighty dollar though. I don't know off the top of my head. I know I knew this at one time, but I'm, I am have a middle-aged brain and I forget everything about two seconds after I, I hear it. You know, the, the U.S. government gives the NFL a lot of money for advertising. So I, I think it's dollar driven, a lot of it. And, you know, and then, you know, some of it may also be the fact that they think, well, the people that watch football aren't going to want to know that people are out there smoking weed before they go play football but you know there's ways around it you know Calvin Johnson and Percy Harvin have both come out recently and said that they they consume cannabis before every game or after every game but they were still able to pass their drug screens obviously the teams helped them with that but as far as the the NFL coming out and embracing it I think they're worried about losing dollars from the government for all the advertising that they do
2: Yeah, well, there was
0: this show called, uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, it was called Weedikit.
1: I've heard of it, but I don't know if I've watched it.
0: Yeah, it was on, uh, Vice had a channel for a while. I don't know if they still have a channel. Mm -hmm. But it was one of their shows, and it was this guy who went across the country and sort of interviewed people about their uh, medical and recreational cannabis wherever it was you know he would i remember there was one episode where he was talking to a cop on the i think it was the nebraska border
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how like the cops would purposely stand on the border or by the border because it borders Colorado Mm
2: -hmm. and they would
0: catch people going to, you know, coming from Colorado into Nebraska. But there was one episode where the guy was talking to uh, Eugene Monroe of the Ravens, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how – and he had some other, uh, I think it was an offensive lineman over at his house. And the offensive lineman you could see had, like, the the start of CTE. Mm-hmm. But Eugene Monroe was basically, this was, I think, like, right after he retired. Yeah. So and what he was saying is like I I just can't play anymore knowing that I'm not allowed to use cannabis mm-hmm. and the fact that cannabis might be the only thing that would save me from the effects of CT.
1: Yeah, well, cannabis is known to be a neuroprotectant. In, case, in fact, the U.S. government holds a patent on it, uh, 6630507. The, government actually, the U.S. government actually holds that patent, and it has to do with cannabis as a neuroprotectant. And there's been a, a lot of research done in other countries. Israel is one of the countries that does a lot of research related to cannabis. The, the guy that discovered THC, and I think they, they discovered the endocannabinoid system, and so they they're ahead of the game as far as cannabis research goes, but if it doesn't come from the from the United States, a lot of times those studies on cannabis are disregarded by our the politicians that are here in in the states. But I, I think in in Israel they even allow their soldiers to consume cannabis because it it does help with brain injury.
2: Yeah,
0: and. I mean, my family is from Israel, so... Okay. And we have a bunch of... I mean, everyone in Israel goes to the army. Mm -hmm. That's a requirement over there, so... Yeah. And uh, someone uh, by uh, one of my dad's friends, she uh, started this foundation called Heroes to Heroes,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: where she takes uh, U.S. veterans and brings them over to Israel because Israel has had a lot of success in treating PTSD in soldiers. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, I guess, a way of showing people that you know there are other options. There, are, it's not the end of the road. It's not. I think that you know in this country there's so much um, doom and gloom with like with the VA and mm-hmm. things like that, where it's sort of. They push pills on you and don't really try and treat you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and even when they're when they're overseas, I, I interviewed a man, and he talked about when he was still overseas serving, he was on all sorts of medications to help him stay awake, and then medication to make him go to sleep, and all these things that are terrible for the body. And then he had to wean off before he came back home to the States. But so, so even when they're overseas, they're getting a lot of medication. It's just, you know, let's give them uh, Ambien to help them sleep. Let's give them Vicodin or oxycodone or whatever for pain. And, and then they come home and it's just kind of more of the same. Yeah. But don't, but don't touch a plant because we'll put you in a cage over it. Even though you were fighting for our freedom over there. We're going to put you in a cage over a plant. It's so ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I just can't, you know, I I don't know. It's just, it's baffling. Like what they, you know, it was just, I was reading a couple of months ago that the uh, FDA approved a cannabis drug from GW Pharmaceuticals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, epidolics. Yeah, and like, wait. So it's still illegal, but the FDA chooses to approve a drug. So, yeah. like, what what's going on there? It, I mean, it's obvious that. There's money at play. It's the pharmaceutical industry wanting to keep control over the plant because yeah. they. Well, know- a lot
1: of that, a lot of that goes back to the FDA. I know yeah. I'd mentioned to you, uh, Doctor um, Doctor Ruart's book, "Death by Regulation," and it talks about how the FDA has basically ruined a lot of our our health because they've placed all these absurd restrictions on how people, how medicine gets to the market. And so, you know, everybody wants to blame the evil pharmaceutical companies, but the pharmaceutical companies couldn't do their evil if it wasn't for the FDA enabling them and creating this pay to play system that keeps good drugs from coming to the market at a reasonable cost. So that's a, that's a book I highly recommend to your listeners. It's, it's very readable. It's got short chapters, and she worked in the pharmaceutical industry as a researcher for many years, and so she wrote this book to kind of blow the whistle and expose the fda and, and what and how terrible it's been for the for the healthcare system here in america but yeah
0: it, it's i mean the fda you know it goes back to what I always say is that the only reason why corrupt uh corrupt capital crony capitalism exists is because of the government right if the government didn't have ways of didn't have control over so many things the corporations wouldn't be able to buy influence on the government Right. Um, yeah,
1: that's, that's what I don't understand about the left is, is they rail against corporations and how much power they wield over government, but then they want to give government more and more control in our lives. And it's like you concentrate that power, you, that just makes it right for the pickings for these greedy corporations. So decentralize the power, and then you have to worry less about corporations making influence in politicians and, and influencing policy.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's just something's not connecting, where they're not understanding that it's anyone. I mean, I think probably a lot of people who think that way, they think, well, once we get these people out of government and put new people in, uh, they won't take the money anymore. Right, right. That just doesn't happen. Yeah,
1: because human nature doesn't change just because you become a bureaucrat.
0: Right, and we see it over and over again. We see new people come into office and say they're not going to do anything, and then... uh, you see them doing the exact same things.
1: Yep. Yeah. You
0: know, I mean, I I remember because you know when in New Jersey uh, when uh, the governor changed mm-hmm. last, when Christie was left, you know, uh, defeated, and everyone was like oh, this guy, uh, I think his name is Phil Murphy. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to be great. He says he's going to expand medical marijuana Mm -hmm. because Christie legalized medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. But what Christie did is he said, okay, it's legal, but we're going to only allow three dispensaries in the entire state.
1: Wow. Yeah, like they can serve everyone that lives in the state.
0: Right. Right. And then one of them closed down. So then there were only two in the entire state. And one of Murphy's promises is that was that he was gonna put a bill on the table uh, immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, he's been in office for like two years and there is nothing
2: he has wow
0: the only thing he's done is he's allowed a couple of satellite dispensaries so now instead of two there are like five
1: to but serve the whole state
0: yeah it's just ridiculous like yeah they should be allowed to be wherever they want to be, as long yep. as the town allows them. You know, I uh, I understand. Like, there may be some towns that want to uphold a certain image, mm-hmm. but then the next town would have it, and you could just drive five extra minutes to get to the. But right now, like where I live the closest one is uh like 40 minutes away from me
2: oh wow so if
0: i needed a medical marijuana prescription you know like i mean if i could drive that would be fine but i'm sure a lot of people that have medical marijuana prescriptions can't drive right because they're in such a, you know, a bad state, so sick that, and like, like if you have epilepsy,
1: you can't drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have a license because you have right. seizures.
0: Right, so, and then I remember I, cause I went out to Porkfest in June and mm-hmm. I went, I stopped in Massachusetts and I remember medical, uh, recreational marijuana was legalized in Massachusetts in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, let me check out a dispensary, see what yeah. it's like. So I looked up on the internet, um, uh, you know, medical marijuana or met marijuana dispensaries. Yeah. And... There were only two in the entire state. Are you kidding me? And they were on opposite ends of the state. Wow. So uh, luckily, uh, you know, I was far uh, west. Yeah. So there was, I was passing the place where the it's in Northampton, one of the mm-hmm. dispensaries. And so I stopped there and it was a really weird, it felt like an institutionalized, like you lined up outside. And they checked your ID as you went in and they only allowed a certain amount of people. Mm -hmm. And there were no displays there were like 20 computers Uh and one person sat behind each computer and they would call you up and then they had a little menu that you could pick from and that was it and Mm. you couldn't even see what you like the only where you could see it was on the menu. And then they had to go to the back and they had like a cabinet Uh and then they take out what you want and that was it. And they only, they didn't have much of a selection, nothing.
1: Yeah. That's got to be because of state regulations.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I heard... In Maine, they still don't have anything. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So it's, and I think that's like why I'm just so skeptical of anyone who said, any politician who says they're going to introduce some marijuana reform. I'm like, well, are you really? Or what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, what is it, Horton's law that says the politicians break all their good promises and keep all their bad ones?
0: Yeah, something like that. But yeah, it's that. I mean, you could see it with like even with uh, Trump and
2: mm-hmm. what
0: he's, he ran on being anti-interventionist and right. You know, and he, we're
1: still intervening.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. He just said he was pulling out of northern Syria. So we'll see how that goes.
1: You want to lay odds on when there's going to be another Assad gas attack?
0: (laughs) Well, I, I posted on Twitter, I was like, I found an article. I posted the article and I was like, uh... Like the only time Republicans and Democrats get can agree on something is when we go to war.
1: Yeah, or when they want to spend money.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you see uh, everyone's criticizing him about the one good thing he's doing.
1: Right, and the and the American people, over for the most part. That's why they liked him and they like his foreign policy because they're like, we're not the world's police. We're spending trillions of dollars on this and we're already 22 trillion in the hole. Stop doing it. But all Uh, the politicians and the news media want to rip him a new one whenever he does something that the American people actually support.
0: Yeah. And I think he, he actually referenced that in a tweet Mm -hmm. either today or yesterday about pulling out of Syria, he's saying like you know we're wasting taxpayer money but at the same time he's funding Saudi Arabia to right. fighting their war in Yemen so right, I mean I don't know there's like he doesn't have any set of principles he's just no he
1: doesn't
0: you know he sort of does whatever he wants, and but the yeah, other yeah, the other thing is, like how much of what he does he want to do other things that he's just not allowed to do? you know, I mean, it's just that the whole government's so big, and that there's so many other people involved that we never know about
1: and yeah i think his instincts are good but like you said he just doesn't have a core set of principles that he relies upon so he kind of kind of gets blown in the wind as to whatever way it's blowing that day because he he doesn't have a lot of firm principles with regards to much of anything i don't think
0: (laughs) no i mean it's just so confusing like you know he'll say one thing and then contradict himself and then it sort of like he can't take anything he says seriously you know and then, and then the media just blows everything he says out of proportion right and i mean it's clearly a distraction tool about what's because they never talk about what's actually going on right just, he
1: said this. Yeah, It's like, okay, what is he doing? I, I'm much more concerned with what he's actually doing as opposed to what he's saying because he says a lot of things and then doesn't do them. So why don't y'all get in hysterics over stuff that he's doing, not things that he sa- says he's going to do?
0: Right, and that's exactly it. Like There was actually a uh, I saw, I think it was shared on the Lions of Liberty group. It was in a skit from uh we the internet Mm -hmm. and it was called like stop making me sound like a trump supporter
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) because uh, it was just one of the things was the um the muslim man where the guy was like it's not a muslim man <laughs> He's not banning the biggest Muslim countries. So it's, you know, it's, it's those kinds of things where uh, the media just takes any little thing he says and uh, ramps it up a million times. Yeah and well they
1: i think they've destroyed their credibility i don't know that there are very many people other than those who who kind of suffer from trump derangement syndrome themselves who put any stock in, in much much what they say i know i don't put a lot of credence in what any of them say and probably those further to the right don't either so i don't i don't know who's buying the narrative but well i i do yeah
0: i Listen, I think the right never hasn't really taken what MSNBC or CNN says to, you know, because Fox sort of says the opposite. Mm -hmm. But I think that if there was a Democrat in office, I think a lot of I think Fox would sort of be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem is that the mainstream media sources, and you even see it in like print journalism. You see it at the New York Times or the Washington Post. They do the same things, even though they have some good stories I mean there are their opinion pieces are garbage. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just and that's what you see circulating. You don't see uh, zero edge circulating or or even the internet intercept. Mm-hmm. You don't even see people sharing that. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I was, I brought up the intercept and people were like, what's that? Right. So, you know, if
1: if I post something that's derogatory towards Trump related to foreign policy, I'll get people, my, my friends on the right. Well, is that a, is that a legitimate source? That's just the mainstream media. And I'm like, Zero Hedge is not the mainstream media. You couldn't get further from mainstream media.
0: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, everyone. I mean it. It's the epitome of tribalism. Right. What right. it's down to.
1: Yeah, it is. And one of the one of the things that I like about cannabis, this issue, is that it. You have people from all aspects of the political spectrum who can get behind legalization or the end of prohibition. You've got people on the far right who think that the government shouldn't stand between people and medicine. You've got people on the far left that want to legalize it so they can tax it. Uh, and then you've got people like me that are like, look, the government shouldn't be telling us what we put in our body, so let's, let's all coalesce around this issue and and take it to the politicians and say this is what we want and and so that's that's one of my favorite things about this maybe we don't have the same approach as to why we want it legalized but it's nice that we can that I can work with people on all sides all all aspects of the political spectrum and work towards a common goal and i think that's important for us to do as a nation is to find common goals things that that we can unite around even if we don't necessarily come at it from the same perspective so I, th- I think cannabis is a great, great way that great place that we can do that. So that we 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 talk to people who are of different political persuasions of us instead of screaming at them, we can actually talk to them and realize, oh wait, they're human too.
0: Yeah, and I think the it's especially easier with medical cannabis because people can connect with helping sick people.
1: Right. Right. And And if if you, if you can't at least acknowledge on a, on a level for medical, if you can't at least acknowledge that, you know, you, do you have a soul?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think probably the people that don't acknowledge it for the most part are so secluded and sort of don't step outside their bubble to see uh, the effects of, that it has.
2: You know, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, like they don't watch TV, they don't see, like there was a a whole thing on CNN a couple of years ago with uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Yep. Where he did a whole series on uh, the, the benefits of medical marijuana and, you know, I mean, this was at the, you know, pretty early on, I guess, mm-hmm. with, you know, like a kid from New Jersey moving, their parents moved her to Colorado because she was having hundreds of seizures a day. And, uh, you know, it took her down to like two or three seizures yeah. a day. But unfortunately, because of all the restrictions and rules and the fact that they didn't really have, they had to uproot their lives and they didn't have a ton of money. Yeah. They had to move back to New Jersey and they were screwed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I
1: saw a story not too long ago where the dad was having to make the trek to Colorado to get medicine for his kids. And and I can't remember where they lived, maybe somewhere in the South or on the East Coast, but he was having to drive to, or maybe even like in the middle of like Indiana or somewhere, I don't know. Um, but he was having to drive to Colorado to get the medicine and come back. And while he was gone to go get her, get their medicine, the, the child actually had a seizure and died. You know, so it's like, really? And I guess the the argument that I get commonly from people who are, are Christians, is they want to say, well, medical marijuana is just a slippery slope. It's, it's opening the door. And the next thing you know, rec is going to be legal. And I don't know that I have a good comeback for that, but it's like, you know, I guess you could use the same argument. I don't know. I, I need to work on my, my retort for that. But, but really, honestly, if, if somebody's that hard, they've dug their heels in that hard, there's probably not a whole lot that I can say that's going to change their mind if they're not moved by the plight of a child who's having seizures and now this cannabis full plant cannabis with THC stops that, then there's probably not a whole lot I can say to change their mind and, and get them leaning towards ending prohibition.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, the only thing I could say to that would be, would you rather them take the Oxycontin and get addicted to heroin? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's, you know, that's what I come back to every time, is that...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I mean, you know, I I keep... I always bring up, like, there's... Because right now, there's effectively a prohibition on marijuana,
2: mm-hmm.
0: on the federal level. Right. States have legalized it, but it's still... But we've seen Prohibition before. Right. We've seen Prohibition of alcohol. We we know what happened during Prohibition and we know mm-hmm. what happened after Prohibition. Yeah. So, uh, I don't understand why people can understand that for whatever hangups you have, I mean, there are plenty of people that don't like alcohol now, mm-hmm. but they would never say uh, make it illegal.
1: Uh, I would disagree with you on that because <laughs> I have people in my family who, who firmly believe, and this is a very this is a source of contention. Uh, they firmly believe that prohibition back in the uh, '30s worked. And that they shouldn't have ended prohibition of alcohol. So if it were up to them, yeah, they'd go back to throwing people in cages over alcohol. So, I mean, well, there are those people, sadly, like I said, I'm related to some of them, who believe that alcohol prohibition is a, is was a good thing and needs to come back. So, and those are the people that I, you know, there's no winning the argument against those people. I, I uh, haven't been yeah. able to figure out what it is.
0: Yeah, as long as they've, if they still believe prohibition of alcohol was a good idea, they're, they're lost.
2: You yeah.
1: yeah. I would agree with you on that. I've, I've buttoned my head trying to figure out how to, how to combat that, but there's just no combat. I mean, some people just don't want to admit they're wrong, and I think that's probably what it has more to do with than really they really truly believe that. I think they just don't want to admit that they were wrong about something and reexamine some of their – Beliefs that they've had all their life
0: Yeah, and I I definitely think that there is something to that, especially with the older people Mm -hmm. People who have been set in their ways for or held one belief for so long that They just Even if you do see some kind of change Like, you can see them, like, say things that sort of contradict their beliefs, but they always go back to those beliefs. I'm not sure what it is, if it's just, you know, like, they're set in their ways, and they just, I don't know, I guess maybe, like, they're those beliefs in their mind turn to stone, and you just I don't can't know.
2: remove
1: it? I, I, think, I think a lot of it goes back to they just don't want to admit that they've been wrong their whole life. And maybe they just don't want to admit they were wrong about anything, which is this particular person in my family and thinking of, she never admits she's wrong.
0: <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah, that would probably... Definitely be it because, I mean, my uh, my thing about the prohibition argument is that, you know, during prohibition of alcohol, that's when we saw the rise of the violent mafia. Yeah. Because the mafia started out as like uh, taking care of the community. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, back then, the police weren't in every town and, you know, they weren't there to stop real crime from happening if something was going down. So the mafia was sort of there to keep the peace,
2: keep the order.
1: Well, Well, we see the same thing with drug cartels where... You know, the guy that's the meanest is the one that, that wins. And it just prohibition just leads to more violence. Have you seen the, on Netflix, there's a series called murder mountain. No. Well, it talks about, uh, I can't remember. Gosh, I'm so, I hate being old and forgetting everything. Um, it talks about a County in California where they grow a lot of cannabis illegally. Oh yeah.
0: I heard about that. It was, it's like in the middle of nowhere and yeah. That's like what they, the, their county, I guess, is mm-hmm. basically. That's all they do.
1: Yeah, that's it's like one of the biggest places in in the country, or maybe even the world, where they grow cannabis, and most of it is grown illegally. And they talked to one of the guys that's growing there, and he's like one of the OGs, one of the guys that that started, you know, the hippies that started growing this back in the sixties. And the reason they chose that area is not because it's um, you know the perfect climate or anything like that. It's because it's it's a remote area, and so when they saw the police, uh, the cops coming, they could see them. They're up on a mountain, so they could see the dust and see the cops coming. So they would go and pull a bulldozer on the road or that led to their property, and then the woods were so thick that the cops couldn't come through and invade them. Well, when the war on drugs started in earnest in the 80s, they, they didn't just come, they just didn't drive up the mountain. They actually sent helicopters with armed people on them to confiscate the weed from these, from these peace-loving hippies that were just trying to make up. And basically what happened is all these peace-loving people that were nonviolent left the area because they're like, oh, we, we can't deal with this. And then the people that took their place were people who were willing to fight back and were much more violent. And then so the violence just spiraled out of control as the as the government cranked down harder with prohibition. The, the violence related to cannabis just escalated exponentially. And it's all because of the government before it was, you know, peace, loving hippies selling the stuff. And now it's you know, these drug cartels and people who are very violent and evil.
0: Right. And, and that's just it. It's, you know, once you're willing to do one criminal thing, you're willing to do the next criminal thing and the next one and the next one. And then it just spirals out of control. And that's how you get people like El Chapo and Mm -hmm. these violent cartel leaders. And I mean, that's you know the only way to get rid of them is i think to legalize everything right because if you legalize marijuana they're just going to go to cocaine well, and
1: I think they've actually done that because they've kind of gotten out of the cannabis business because there's no profit in it because or not as much profit in it anymore. Right, yeah. So they're moving to the harder drugs. So if we, I think I'm I'm with you 100%. I think we need to legalize it. The government has no jurisdiction to tell us what we can and can't put in our body. Have you read, um, well, there's a book called Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari. It's a really good book that kind of talks about the history of prohibition in America and then how America pushed our prohibition onto other countries. And so he he talks about countries where they've re-legalized it and what life was like when it was, when it was legal, you could go down to your pharmacist and get, you know, whatever it was you needed and how, You know, you didn't have the violence surrounding it. And you had people that could actually hold a job. Their whole life didn't revolve around, well, where's my next fix going to come from with regards to like heroin and harder drugs? Where's my next fix going to come from? They were actually able to hold down jobs because they know, well, I can go to the pharmacist and get this. I can work, do that, and then still continue to lead a productive life and and even be a good parent. So that's a a really good book too.
0: Yeah, well, there was... um... I heard about this on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. He was talking to someone and they brought up a uh, rat park.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They talk about that in Johan Hari's book too. It was, it's, it's amazing. Right. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I do think that there is, there are people who are, just genetically prone to addictions and if they you know if there's a substance that's that's addictive and they do it they'll get addicted to it chemically and Mm -hmm. it's just they're better off not doing any of those things but I do think there are a bunch of people who we classify as alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, who they're not necessarily, they're not chemically addicted. It's more of a habitual thing where they got started for some reason because, you know, their life sucked or
2: Mm -hmm.
0: whatever. And they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and they just weren't able to get out of it. But I do think that treating them, then they'll be, if once they get into a good place, they can then go back to living life normally and not have the restrictions of never doing anything again.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of people that use illegal substances do do it to relieve some sort of trauma that they've suffered in their past, and then, and then you treat those people like criminals and you put them in a cage where they experience more trauma, and don't get help like mental health while they're in a in prison. They're going to come out and go right back to those things that help make that pain, that emotional pain, go away. So, you know, we, we just, and I don't know what the answer to that is, but putting people in a cage for something they choose to put in their body is not the way to help these people. And you're not going to help them get off of drugs by doing that.
0: No, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I don't know any stats on this specifically, but I think once you go to jail, I. it just exacerbates the issue. You don't, you know, you're not getting cleaned off. You know, it's, they talk about, like, how easy it is to get drugs into prisons.
1: Right, yeah, so it's like they, they go to jail for it and then they still have access to it.
0: Right, and it's just, and even... Even if they didn't have access to it in jail, jail wouldn't be the place for them, because right. you know, like I always say, you know if the person commits a crime, you know it's a crime. Mm. Whether a drug addict, whether a drug addict commits murder or just a random person commits murder, it's still murder. Right. (laughs) So uh, those are the people who should be in jail. You know, if it's just a drug addict, you know, just get them help. Just try and treat them. It's not, you know, it's not beneficial to stick them in jail and, because the other thing is, once people go into jail, their life's effectively ruined. Right. Because
2: yeah, they, they have
1: trouble. They have trouble getting a job when they get out. They have trouble finding housing. If you have a felony drug conviction, you can't even get financial aid. If you get out of uh, jail and you want to go back to college, you don't qualify for financial aid, and you can't get um, like tax credits related to. Financial aid if you've got a felony arrest record related to 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 drugs. Now you can kill somebody, and still qualify for these education credits on your tax return. But if you have a felony drug conviction, you don't. That's insane to me.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean it's it's just ridiculous, and uh, you know it it even goes back to like what when the drug war was ramped up. It was Nixon, and Nixon basically said, "The reason why I'm ramping this up is because of the blacks and the Latinos." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I don't
1: think he said that on uh, on national television, but I'm pretty sure he said it behind closed doors.
0: Yeah, it was. Something. And he was.
1: Ta- yeah, he wanted to target the hippies and the people that were against the war.
0: Yeah. So it, you know, like that's that's reason enough right there to say uh, you know what are we doing Mm -hmm. and I just don't understand why you know I mean everything that's going on today with race and everything that's blown way out of proportion but you know here we have a perfect example of it and uh, no one really talks about it. Everyone wants to talk about, you know, what Dave Chappelle said on his last special, or whether the new Joker movie is triggering white supremacists. I mean, it's just the most ridiculous things right. I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, in in the the drug laws do in it they do affect minority communities more than they do white communities so i mean if we want to end racial disparities with the with arrests and prison population why don't we end the drug war that'll that'll go a long way to to fixing the problem
0: right and that and that's the other people reason that people don't think about is that Mm -hmm a big part of the reason why there are these mass shootings in chicago and people die all the time and that people are sort of stuck in a ruthless cycle mm-hmm. of poverty is that they are stuck in these places and they do make bad choices when they're young and then they just can't get out of it right
1: yeah because those those bad choices and that prison record follows them you know I, i'm like i said i, I grew up as, as a conservative christian and so my interaction with law enforcement is none you know so you come and you think oh you do your time for your crime and then you move on with your life and it, it, it that's not the way it works that that crime follows you for the rest of your life, especially if it's a, a drug-related offense. Well, any any sort of offense, but it follows you for the rest of your life. And I and I didn't really realize that until I started listening to like uh, John Odermatt show, Felony Friday on the lines Liberty Feed. That kind of helped help me realize. Okay, you don't just do your crime, you get out, and then you move on with life. Those those things affect you forever.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up it's just that you know if anything even if you don't believe that you know marijuana or drugs can I mean one thing I will say is I do believe that marijuana may be the key to developing some kind of cure to cancer because you know our bodies have cannabinoid receptors Mm -hmm. and they've got to be there for a reason right well you're ready what it does to help people
1: yeah and and it's been shown in a lot of studies that that if you're consuming cannabis that it actually causes the i think it's called apoptosis or apoptosis i don't know i don't have a medical background at all so that makes the the podcast interesting at times but it basically the the cells the cancer cells essentially commit suicide because of the um
2: right
0: yeah i think i've heard that before
2: Mm -hmm.
0: is that and so i think like you know i mean they're all they're learning all kinds of stuff like these growers are learning all kinds of stuff about like different ratios of cbd to thc right and different amount different levels of terpenes and stuff like that and i think that just if real scientists were allowed to have access to testing these things
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think we could that could like be the the breakthrough a lot of people are looking for
1: yeah yeah we've we've spent billions in this country trying to find a cure for cancer and it's like there's a plant that the government made illegal. why don't you start with that
2: <laughs> yeah. instead
1: of all these pharmaceutical concoctions that Kill people because they're destroying the good cells along with the bad. Whereas with with cannabis, it can actually target just the bad cells and not kill the bad cells and the good cells.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think that's you know, in this in combination with you know, it, even if you don't believe it helps people. For whatever reason, just the fact that throwing people in cages ruins people's lives, you know, for what is largely a nonviolent offense. Right. Is that people's lives should not be ruined over anything unless it's murder or rape or
2: mm-hmm. child
0: molestation or. Other than violence, you know, let people do what they want. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the core principle of libertarianism that could reach a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, everyone in the liberty podcasting world is trying to do.
1: Yeah, just trying to get the, get the message out, you know. Um, if there's no victim, there's no crime. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Don't put people in prison over a plant.
2: Right. So
0: um, give everyone your plugs and anything you want them to know.
1: Um, they can find the website for the podcast at at CannabisHillsBee.com. If they want to listen to it, we're on all the major podcast apps. If they want to follow me on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash MJHealsMe. And we're also out on Twitter and Instagram at, at CannabisHealsMe. But I'm going to tell you all right now, I stink at social media. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll just link the website in the description.
1: And that sounds good. I'm more active on Facebook than I am Instagram and Twitter because I, I don't know. I don't like to be limited to that many characters on Twitter. I'm I'm very verbose. if you, as you probably figured out, so <laughs> 120 some odd characters is just not well, enough it, for it's me. It's
0: 280
1: now. Oh, is it okay? That's still not enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like trying to figure out what to leave out and you know, what words I can abbreviate or... I mean, I try and just respond to people with stupid things like... I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it's really just to promote the podcast and try. I mean, I think I try and, I guess, be a little more active on Twitter just because I think that, you know, being active on Twitter will get a following, and then pe- more people will see the links to the podcast. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's just another way of doing things.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a free way to get the word out. But you know, at, at, I homeschool my son, and then I also work for myself. So it's like you know, at will point to, uh, I? I got to choose one one social media. You know, wh- what do I? Where do I apply my resources and, and right you know, Twitter, yeah, and, Twitter and, and Instagram aren't usually it. I, I'm already on Facebook anyway because of you know, I have family that lives out of state. So I'm like, yeah, we'll just stick with Facebook, even though they shadow ban my page sometimes. Oh,
0: really? Yeah, I haven't I mean, I don't do much on the page besides just putting out links. Mm -hmm. and so i guess i've stayed under the radar
1: (laughs) well when you have the word cannabis or marijuana in the title of your page they will they'll hide you like even if you go up and do a search sometimes for cannabis heals me in the facebook search thing it'll show you everything but my page which is it's crazy and that's why i had to the name of the page on facebook had to be mj m as in mary jane it couldn't be cannabis because at the time I set up the page, they weren't allowing you to have the word cannabis in the shortcut name of your page.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> yep.
1: That's... It is. So as far as cannabis goes, Instagram I think is a little more friendly to cannabis well than Facebook is. But and I just don't have as many funny,
0: But what's funny about that is Facebook owns Instagram.
1: Right. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> so... That's the crazy thing. I I keep waiting for my accounts to be deleted because I'm promoting drugs, but, you know.
0: Well, I think cannabis is, I don't know, I guess sort of like they're sort of indifferent on it. I think people
2: yeah I
1: don't I, they're less indifferent than you would think because there have been several people that I know in the cannabis industry that have either been you know banned from posting for like thirty days or they've just flat out had their page deleted because people complained about it, so you would think at this point that they would be indifferent, but they're not because I guess the the government they take a lot of their marching orders from the federal government
0: yeah well that's that's a big thing, is that? I think Facebook and a lot of these social media sites do take a little too much instructions from the government where Mm -hmm. the government sort of says like, we don't want you to do this or we don't want these people around, you know, like that's, Probably banning Alex Jones had something to do with that. (laughs) Probably so. We don't want this guy saying, you know, there are aliens at Area Fifty One or whatever he's saying. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so you guys know what to do with uh, where to find the unuseful idiots, wherever the podcast is. You know, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on all those social medias. And uh, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash theunusefulidiots. And that's it. See you guys next time. Thanks, Tori. Bye. Bye.